Hey there. I would like to begin the episode by thanking Gabriel, Kyle Johnson, Gardar Brecky, Jeremy, and B. Bonk. All of these people have gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and supported this show by kicking in a couple of bucks a month. It really does help us out. Um, yeah, and you get cool stuff in return for doing that, too. Extra shows, um, uh, exclusive content, things like that. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, and thank you. Field. My name is Cole Ross. You're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are talking about Lords of Magic, which is a strategy game developed by Impressions Games and published by Sierra Online for the PC in 1997. We'll be talking about the game and mm-hmm. the individual lords. Yeah, lots of lords up in here. If you like lords, <laughs> Ooh, this boy. game is full of lords. <laughs> what can I do to get you into a lord today? Yeah. Uh, you know, do you want to be a royal? No, no, mm. no. Be lord. Mm. Uh, the uh, so this is an executive produced episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is produced by David. Uh, thank you, David. Mm-hmm. We really uh, appreciate you. We've got a couple David uh, joints coming mm-hmm. in the next year, and I'm excited about them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, specifically, David requested the special edition of this, which was released mm-hmm. in 1998, a year later, and this includes the expansions Legend of Urak. Uh, I always wanted to say Iraq, but the intro proved me wrong. It says Iraq. Iraq. Okay. Iraq. Long U. Iraq. Yes. Yep. Yeah. You dirty Iraq. We'll be talking about that more a little bit later. Um, and to put like just like a, a blanket caveat on this episode, mm-hmm. which I think is probably worth it. Uh, this is a... This isn't a grand strategy game because it's turn-based. Yeah. But this this is a strategy game with a huge scope, kind of like um, your Civs or your Age of Empires or what have you. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, like, I think that I can speak for both of us in that, like, I got this pretty late in my time with it. Yes. Like It took I... a long time to get. Right. I kind of basically had to construct a flow chart of like how an individual like turn it needed to go um, and how mm. like, and, you know, and to break things down kind of a little bit into the four different X's uh, that, that, that you have to have your expansion, exploitation and stuff like that. X-Men. <laughs> X-Men. X-Men. Yes. Yeah. X-Files. Yeah. All of the X's. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. It, it took. Yeah. This is. You know, I I tend to enjoy a strategy game, but I tend to be more on the management sim side of things, 
what mm-hmm. happens here with Lord Lords of Magic is it is very complicated. It, it's basically like a strategy and management game at every possible level of zoom yes you can have at multiple times right um like there are huge rpg elements Mm -hmm. uh, to this as well like classical fantasy D &D style Mm -hmm. rpg elements like leveling and magic items yeah uh for your individual units um all the way up to diplomacy Mm -hmm. and kind of territory management uh you know encroaching so it ended up being a thing like i like this genre too i went on such a fucking roller coaster with this of like <laughs> this is great i don't like this no i get it i like it uh, now i wish i like games that do this easier uh-huh. and then i kind of came around in the end to be like no this is good like yeah I, I have fun playing this when i'm this is like the kind of thing where if like you're in the mood for this mm-hmm uh this is super good yeah uh you have to do a lot of work to understand it and it is a very specific mood <laughs> uh that, that like at least in my my experience like this is a real mood like yeah, yeah i got i'm gonna grognard it up and stay up late <laughs> and one more turn mm-hmm. this kind of thing like a sieve but harder to understand initially yes yeah with much more with much more micromanagement going on um, oh yeah yeah so I, I eventually came around on this too, but like even, uh, you know, up to the point where I was putting together the notes, I feel like I'm on a very uncertain footing, not just because, you know, like this particular kind of strategy game isn't one that I have an awful lot of experience with. Like I'm more, I'm more in line with like Civ, um, <laughs> you know, in, in, in that regard. Um, but also like there's, there's just a lot to this and like, yeah. You know, it's also it, it kind of defies the structure of the show just a just, just a bit because outside of those legends of Urak, um, there's no real story to it. So yeah. the, this is going to be kind of a, a you know a different episode because like when we talk about the main game of this, we're going to be like talking through the entire loop of the mechanics uh, for a given yeah. for, for like for a given campaign. Yep. Uh, the the closest uh, kind of compadres to this in stuff we've done for the show would be like Heroes of Might and Magic 3 mm-hmm. or Masters of Orion 2. Yes. Uh, both, of which, both of which have some similarities to this. Mm-hmm. Um, something I kind of unlocked this time around was that, you know, the first time I played this, uh, it took forever because there were a lot of deaths and a lot of false starts oh, and yeah. like working myself into corners. Mm-hmm. Once I kind of got it, uh, this kind of game almost <clears throat> has like a roguelike structure. Mm-hmm do it where you choose a character and and a faith which we'll talk about all that later yeah to give you like similar to choosing a character in isaac and mm-hmm. then like a run can be like a few hours like a couple yeah. hours and that could be a complete playthrough of the main game mm-hmm. the campaign and it is randomized to a degree um i just i was just like oh there's like there's weird rogue dna in this mm-hmm. And I, n- I never really considered that because my associate civilization, like I have, I don't have as much experience with civilization as most of my peers, even though I do like Civ. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't on any computers at school, basically. Yeah. Um, so that game is something that I liked and, and I completed runs of, but even that never got short. Mm-hmm. Like a game of Civ was always a real long time. Yeah. Uh, this is short. <clears throat> like you can make this, you know, again, two to three hours mm-hmm. once you understand it. Yeah, like I got through a run with a well, like with a with a faction with a faith that I was familiar with. Like I got I got through one in in a day, like in a day of playing, yeah. which for me is yep. like you know two, you know two three hour sessions, right? One in the morning and the one in the, one in the evening. Yeah, 
my my like huge my huge number of run ups and false starts when I was first getting to know this game, and then coming back to it after that point and being like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. like I you know that happened. I just got to do this. Yeah, and and that feeling of mastery is really satisfying. It's just this game came out in the late nineties, so like <laughs> you have to earn it all. Like, yeah, you, you basically you know I read the manual cover to cover before playing this and loved <laughs> doing it, and I still needed to like. I, I read it the still manual. It took a long time. I read the manual two times. I read it before, and then I played yeah. a little bit, and I realized, oh, I didn't internalize any of this at all. Like, and then I went back to it with specific questions. No, I read it three times because I also went through it to make the notes. <laughs> and this game includes uh, save files that you can load up that just demonstrate individual systems. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a save called, you know, like, magic lom lords of magic <laughs> and you load that up and it just gives you a scenario where like hey here's some magic mm-hmm. learn it it's real fucking wild yeah like, it, it is uh our, i would believe this game came out before it did yes actually like this feels archaic even for when it came out to mm-hmm. me, uh a little bit and we'll we'll get into all that but just kind of yeah. i want to set an expectation of how this episode will be different, not just in terms of structure, but also in terms of depth. Because I, I, one of the things, you know, we don't try to like everything mm-hmm. we do on the show by any means, but I do try to feel like I get it. Yeah. You know, like I, I understood <laughs> Soul Reaver. People told me I didn't, but I did. <laughs> yeah. I like, I understood that game. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I have a full understanding of Lords of Magic. Mm-hmm. I, I beat it twice on easy. Uh, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I do not understand this. So this mm-hmm. is not expertise. This is kind of, um, you know, closer to like a review or kind of an explainer, like a 101 level explainer for this game. Yeah, an explainer. The thing that I feel confident about is the way that the different levels of Zoom and the way that the different systems feed into each other, specifically with the economy. Yeah. 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 Which is interesting. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like it's bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no. just esoteric i like this game it really makes me want to find something that took inspiration from this and is more modern in its interface and discoverability yes yeah Yeah, this feels like playing a uh like a granddaddy like a you know an antecedent playing one of the antediluvians (laughs) if this is if this is wasteland one i want this game's wasteland two yes or this game's fallout yes yeah uh, the story of this, uh, so you play as a lord um, of one of the seven elemental faiths. Eventually, you can unlock the eighth one. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in the fantasy world of Urak. And uh, in this world, uh, Balkoth, the lord of death, has taken over. Mm-hmm. And it's time to win everything back, kind of like inch by inch. Yeah. You got you to gotta knock him off of his fucking bat. Yep. Knock yeah. off of his high bat. <laughs> he rides a bat around. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and as we alluded to, this episode is going to be a little bit different because the main campaign doesn't really have a story. Um, it has systems interacting and you bumping up against other faiths and kingdoms and stuff like that. The actual body of this episode uh, is going to be mostly c- kind of composed of the systems of play. Um, so instead of doing like a generalities and then talking about the biographical stuff here, um, we're going to do the biographical stuff here first to, to kind of talk about where this where this comes from, because this is in a different tradition than a lot of stuff that we usually cover. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Impressions, the studio that made this, uh, this was their Ballywick. Crunchy mm-hmm. strategy simulation games, uh, grognardy computer dot zone. Yes. Stuff. Yeah. So like prior to this, their big series was Caesar. Uh, kind of historical, like, hey, manage the Roman Empire. 
um, yeah, and a number of the other versions of the dressing. <laughs> Their um, prior dressing to this was Caesar. Yeah, this and then the other dressing before that was Lords of Lords <laughs> of the Ranch. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> Like looking through their catalog, there's some interesting stuff there. Like there's one that's called Detroit, which is like a business management sim for the audio auto industry. Like going mm-hmm. from like making Model Ts up to like what, what had to have been modern day at the time. That looked pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of these, um, you know, European uh, strategy game developers, they have a number of Civil War titles as well. Yeah, which is like a huge like pocket genre. Um, which, uh, I have, I, like, I have like a weird amount of experience with as a youth. Cause my family, I had family members who like those, uh, but the, but the big one that they did prior to this, and this is kind of part of the same series is Lords of the realm. Yes. Lords of the realm. is like the demon souls to this dark souls. Right. Basically. Like it was a precursor to this, uh, spiritual predecessor. Um, it was more grounded in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, this so you know no magic uh the first game was you know f- about medieval battles in england and germany mm-hmm. so uh just very historically based um that first game was more focused on uh first game in lords of the realm was more focused on combat second game added population and city management and mm-hmm. then mixed in these turn-based uh battles with real or turn-based elements with real-time battles yeah uh which is what lords of the magic basically does yes and so Lords of Magic was the studio's kind of attempt at making this more intricate, you know, magical version that is like explicitly based off of Lord of the Rings. Like it's actually very quaint how in the manual there's like a designer's note, which just has it's like a letter kind of explaining the mindset that they want you to have in this saying like, yeah, you know, when we, when we thought about making a more, you know, magical, you know, high fantasy focused thing, it's impossible to escape Lord of the Rings. Um, think about how exciting it would be not, you know, not to be reading those books or watching like a, you know, a movie of this, but to be able to live in this world and act as a ruler. And they talked about like all these little like emergent stories that could pop up because of the way these systems interact. Like I said, it's very quaint. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, we'll, we'll talk about aesthetics later, but they really lean into that. Yeah. Like I played as the, uh, traditional fantasy, uh, religion mm-hmm. in this and it really is going for that like <laughs> you know t- 24 7 24 hours of chill tavern beats to study to there's there's a lot of tavern beats that i studied to <laughs> yeah. during this and it does it does get across the atmosphere yeah you know uh well which would like um but there and there are like emergent stories mm-hmm. that happen in this like I, this ended up being actually a dead end but i ended up having like a moment where i'm like Oh, like I'm kind of surrounded, and if my people leave the town, they're going to get fucking murdered. Mm-hmm. Like everybody is quartering, yeah, right now, and the forces of fire are actually patrolling outside of my fucking stronghold. <laughs> like this sucks. I couldn't. It was early on, so I couldn't figure out a way out of that. Mm-hmm. If there was a way out of that, yeah. but it was a cool little story moment. Yeah, um, you know they're they're successful at that emergent mm-hmm. uh, strategy element. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it does have a little bit of that Civ angle of like you you start to develop grudges because you perceive that the computer specific like a certain you know a certain other you know civilization has it out for you right. And for yeah. me, you both of us I think really focused on order because it's the Mario the Mario of the faiths. But yeah, like mm-hmm. like fire is just an early thorn in your side uh, there. Yeah. So yeah, a lot fire of a lot of bad blood there. <laughs> your allies are fucking useless. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I just, yeah, yeah, of course I took you know. 
Uh, but yeah, um, and th- those are deter- predetermined. Mm-hmm. So depending on your religion, you'll have different relations. No, yeah. um, it is laid out like a like a grid, uh, or like um, the like the schools of magic in D and D. Yes. So there is, you know, if you're a specialist in abjuration, you can't cast avocation or what have you. Mm-hmm. Same thing, but with fire and uh, life. Yeah. Uh, so the Legends of Yurok expansion was released pretty quickly after the original story, or after the original uh, took you know, the strategy framework. And, and this added five campaigns that are more directed and story based and have special rules to them. Uh, these are based on myths and legends mm-hmm. generally. Um, yeah. And they're neat. Uh, there is a, like in the fan community of this, there's actually like a fairly robust modding community for this game mm-hmm. um, who believes that uh, they had, a, or they ran out of time because there are only five stories instead of one for each religion. Right. And right. there is a fairly robust mod that adds in a, uh, a bonus story for each other um, faith based on the uh, designer's notes. Oh, cool. This. So the designer yeah. at one point had like advertised legends of Yurok and been like, yeah, there'll be a fire campaign or a chaos campaign where you start as like a slave and you have to mm-hmm. like, you know, do an uprising and modders have made that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like this. This again is part of a tradition of games that like ships along with the tools for people to make their own stuff. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so impressions is a weird studio. Um, I was kind of shocked to see this. So at uh, at, at the time that this came out, uh, it was owned by the same like holding company that Blizzard was. Uh, Havas Interactive is the name of it. Uh, and in 1998. Like, think about what a year 1998 was for Blizzard specifically, having just put out, um, having just put out, oh gosh, uh, Diablo and then StarCraft as well. Um, Impressions was actually more profitable (laughs) than Blizzard was, like, at this point, kind of, like, giving you an indication of how big they were, at least worldwide at that point. Yeah. Yeah, which is why if there's ever an alternate universe, like, Tenant's alternate universe where we're playing... Uh, world of lords of magic craft <laughs> the uh the the mmo sensation yep from impressions um it's really that's it's really fascinating like learning that or mm-hmm. when i learned that because i really wish that the rts parts of this were more like starcraft me yeah me too uh, <laughs> you know, uh blizzard did a better job with the rts stuff for sure mm-hmm. um after they made this they were uh pretty prolific after this released, and they continued publishing games up until 2004 uh, when they shipped Lords of the Realm 3. Uh, however, then they shuttered the studio. Yes. So. Now, that was a result, a result of Sierra just fucking with them, installing new leadership um, that, you know, didn't work in the favor of Lords of Magic 3. Or sorry, Lords of the Realm 3, rather. Um, I had a typo in there. Um, and that game kind of got a mediocre, mediocre reception. It was just the studio going out with a whimper. However, uh, alumni, like leadership from Impressions, would go on to found Tilted Mill Entertainment, uh, who, who continued uh, Caesar and then also did Immortal Cities, Children of the Nile, which started a small little like Egypt's historical sim uh, c- kind of mm-hmm. uh, series for them. Uh, and then also Firefly Studios, which makes games in the Stronghold series. Uh, there are so fucking many of these. Basically, yeah, going and, <laughs> going and doing research for this game was a huge flashback to spending time in Babbage's and software, etc. Like yeah. every single box, I was like, "Oh yeah, I saw that." Like these were all over the place. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and it it this is one of those uh, games and one of those genres where there are people who play video games, and this is what they do. Yeah, like they just do this. Mm-hmm. You know. 
uh, and I, I respect it. Yep. Um, so this is, uh, you know, as we mentioned, this is pretty ambitious. There are a lot of interlocking locking systems. You wouldn't know it necessarily to look at it, though, because <laughs> if, if you take a look at it, like, I think this has a charm to yep. it, but it's dorky. <laughs> like, it's even that, you know, the, the chill lo-fi taverns to, to adventure to uh-huh. uh, music, and then also just little tiny pixelated knights mm-hmm. uh, going around going, yes, sir. The same bark every time. Yes, sir. Yeah. Clop, 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 yeah. clop, 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 as they, yeah. as, 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 as they like j- jitter across the screen. Yeah. It's fire. Crossbow's <laughs> ready. Like it, it is very, very dorky from an audio visual mm-hmm. standpoint Yeah, uh, in a way that has some charm. Mm-hmm. And also this is just an awkward time for PC games in general. Um, yeah. you know, like they couldn't really do an awful lot of, you know, any real 3d at this point, um, and have it be as intricate as it needed to be, but they were trying to approximate like the look of something 3d. So everything kind of has that Donkey Kong country. Like we rendered a model and then we, and then we took then we made sprites out of different poses that go there. Yeah. And the thing that really suffers is actually like the real time strategy portion where like the motion of the individual sprites is incredibly jittery and actually hard to read, especially when they get jumbled up on each other. Well, yeah, and the 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 perspective doesn't help. Right. Like they overlap mm-hmm. uh, in a way that can make any kind of precision during those points really difficult. And yeah. and we'll talk about that. Like that's if I had to choose like an issue with the game, I feel mm-hmm. like the the fun and uh, kind of capacity for control and tactics during the RTS part mm-hmm. is probably the biggest flaw. Yeah, to yeah. me of this game, once I got over the, the the hump, like all the macro stuff, I thought was pretty good. Yeah, and really fun. But inside battles, like it it would never really kind of got smooth. Yeah, for me, um, that hump that you had to get over um, is largely due to the interface. Yeah, uh, which is there are a lot of buttons <laughs> in this game, and there are a lot of little symbols. You know, so like, what's the flag? What's mm-hmm. the three men staying together? What's the one man standing? Yeah. You know, what's so, what arrow? Some of them get tooltips. Some of them don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's tricky. <laughs> uh, you, you're given this, uh, this HUD kind of like immediately, um, this little, uh, you know, user interface. And it is really, really hard to understand uh, what it is. And there were things I discovered shockingly late. Yes. Um, like being able to check my diplomatic relations while I was waiting for other players to take their turn, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, Oh yeah. Goodness. I discovered that like Friday. Yeah. Like we're recording this on Monday. <laughs> like I've been, I've been hammering away at this for a while because I wanted to get ahead. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a spicy one. Yeah. No, it took me a while. Like I, I, I discovered the party, ra- the party roster on accident. Like the one that shows you like just a, just a big list of every active party that you have. Like, mm-hmm. like that would have been cool to have because like to check my status and everything, I was just like cycling through them. Like using the little yeah. uh, focus focus buttons on the bottom, um, yeah. yeah. So like this, I think you know it extends beyond just uh, just an aesthetic quibble because this very dense interface that like legit requires the like the single sheet printouts, uh, you know, basically the legends that you can get off of GOG when you buy this game to like yeah. help you decipher it and remember like what means what. Because, like, on your individual, like, lords or champions, like, you have full stats. 
<laughs> you know, you have strength and all that, that, like that these stuff. Are characters. Yes. And you want to be able to read that character sheet to like understand, you know, maybe how they're going to fare against what you're going to be going up against. So, yeah. you know, this is already a very intricate game, you know, pretty punishing, especially early on. The game does not want you to, you know, break into a point where things can kind of get self-sustaining. The lack of discoverability does kind of again just add a lot of friction to this that some people live for but if you are you know kind of coming in as a dabbler uh it's going to be a tough hump to get over yeah pretty pretty difficult there are a lot of things to you that i feel like have to be solved uh now so for example like there is a a weird dearth of drag and drop uh, in this, yeah, which would have been huge, mm -hmm. like uh, even taking down, you know, so you, you control your army in uh, sets of kind of Lord led little units that you put together. Mm -hmm. um, managing those is a huge pain in the dick. <laughs> yep. I, like just like I would like this, you know, this unit, <clears throat> this uh, this to, to be uh, this guy, this guy and this guy and this mm -hmm. other one over here to be the rest. Yeah. Uh, that's hard and it sucks. Yeah. And just being able to pull up that unit view and then just easily drag them from there would have done it. Mm -hmm. What I, and, or, or having somebody like really early on, I recruited two scouts and I couldn't separate them. Uh, and I kept trying <laughs> and eventually like you click on them in a certain, you can't click them on the screen. You have to click mm -hmm. on them during a certain panel yeah. to select them, to move them apart. And it's just, it's weird. It's counterintuitive. Yeah. And like what it led to was like, I, I basically like learned this game. Like I learned, you know, like an Adobe program or something like that, where I would just kind of like get the basics, then get into situations where it's like, ah, shit, I really need to know how to do X. And then you go yep. to a resource and you look and see how you accomplish that. The problem yep. with low discoverability in the interface is that you might not even know that X is a problem or X is something that you want to accomplish. Right. You might not know you, it's possible. You, you might just think that's just the way the game is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I ended up doing a lot of Googling. Like, how do I do this? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, early on, uh, you choose a faith. Uh, and a character class for your lord, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, but probably the biggest decision to make is your faith. Right. Um, these are arranged on this little Stonehenge screen uh, that reminded me a oh, lot sacrifice. of sacrifice. Sacrifice. Yep. Yeah, sacrifice. Uh, right in the beginning, and uh, you don't, you can't select death yet. You have to beat the game once to choose death. Mm -hmm. Death is uh, the evil race, obviously, and they're very powerful. Mm -hmm. um, I did not do a death run. I wanted to poke at it, but I just didn't. Yeah. Um, did not have enough time. Mm -hmm. um, there are eight faiths total. And they all have different act interactions with each other and different strengths and weaknesses. Yes. So every faith has an opposite. Um, these broadly make sense. You know, life opposes death, order opposes chaos, etc. Just kind of standard elemental rock, paper, scissors kind of rock, paper, scissors kind of stuff. And broadly, there are four good faiths and four evil faiths. And this kind of determines whether they're going to be like, you know, neutral, friendly, neutral, hostile, or like outright hostile or outright, outright friendly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the map is really interesting in this. Mm -hmm. um, the map is, uh, in terms of region, is static. Yep. So each faith has control of a specific region. Within that region, though, the individual buildings, uh, their levels, and what monsters in them are, is randomized mm -hmm. uh, to a degree. So if you start as order, 
uh, you know, which I did. Mm-hmm. I knew where fire was in relation to me, like where my closest mm-hmm. enemies were after a time. But in terms of like what buildings were around me for capturing resources or leveling up my troops, that was different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their layout. Right. So it, it's it's kind of like, again, that's a really interesting choice. Like it mm-hmm. adds a little bit to that roguelike flair. Yeah. Yeah. But like knowing the map and knowing who your neighbors are is a huge factor in picking yes. which of the you know, which of the faiths you want to you want to take because it really does shape your early and mid game obviously yeah. you know by the end game you're expanding um and a lot of that kind of flattens as you encroach on the death territory uh but at the start you know you just some faiths just have it harder off than others yes yeah yeah um faiths have terrain advantages so if you're a fire if you're walking around on lava, you're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, death, it's swamps, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, the game gives you this in a tooltip. This is somewhere where I think the graphics kind of lit down. Yeah. Um, I wanted these just to be big tiles with the word on them or something. <laughs> right. uh, you know, knowing the the demarcation lines of this was difficult mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about the faiths broadly. Um, I have not mm-hmm. played all of these, um, unfortunately. They're just there's there's a lot of them, and you know, I kind of just wanted to pick one and learn it so i could be able to talk and uh, you know i did mm-hmm. order as well i also like dabbled around with life and fire a little bit um mm-hmm. but yeah we can we can talk about uh kind of broadly what each of these represent and what their strengths and weaknesses are yeah uh so first up life um these are your light elves so these are our nature uh, each faith also has magic units mm-hmm. that you can get so these guys get uh dryads and unicorns mm-hmm. um they are opposite to death, of course. And these are your ranged, uh, ranged and flying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is kind of like uh, shock troops, like, you know, high mobility, high damage at range, low damage up front. Right. Uh, and very fragile. Mm-hmm. Very fragile, generally. Uh, this was actually yeah. a pretty good, like a pretty good um, faith to play for like combat early on, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Like I would assume life would be more of like a support thing. That's, but that's more waters deal. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I never got their legendary unit like in the end game of this as you upgrade everything you can get like you know a a, a beast like a special unique beast uh, for life it is the phoenix uh, which you can use and this like it replaces a whole party when you are moving around and doing in combat yeah yeah these these are big deals you're going to want them for the end think mm-hmm. uh, warcraft like your water elementals or whatever yes so when you're making your encroachment into the uh, the emboss which is the state is always death Mm-hmm. during the, the main game uh you want to it's good to have, be up at this point yes at least yeah um but you start next to fire and air both of whom are neutral to you like this is a good uh this, this is a good newbie uh kind of uh mm-hmm. kind of one I, I had a good success it was tougher for me to set up an economy with them than it was with order yeah yep and we should say in addition to um having these different strengths and weaknesses mechanically, these are all different aesthetically. Uh, You have a different background track. Each faith has its own music, both in battle and out of battle Mm -hmm. um, and a color scheme and their own like coded buildings, Mm -hmm. you know? So uh, while the things you're clearing for order outposts, the things you're clearing for life are like hamlets, Mm -hmm. you know, little, little tree houses and stuff. So there's a really, uh, even just aside from stats, there's a hugely unique flavor Mm -hmm. to all these giving this like a lot of replay value. Yeah. Yeah, so like you know, with life you have those, or you have those little hamlets. With Earth, like you're clearing out little like mushroom villages and stuff, because uh, yeah, Earth is cute. the yep. Earth is like the dwarves, gnomes, and hobbits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. True. <laughs> Short boys. Yeah. 
Um, they are they're opposite air, and uh, their whole thing is melee. They're the strongest melee fighters uh, in the game, but they're very slow. Uh, they can create these fast travel gates to go between their great temples. We'll talk about great temples at length, mm-hmm. um, but to kind of make up for the fact that they're slow, uh, yeah. their range is also bad. It's not the worst, right? So. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it's not their emphasis. I love that their legendary unit is a giant earthworm. Yeah. Just, I saw one of these, like, <laughs> yeah, I saw one of these on the map and I was like, I'm like, I, I really enjoy that. I don't know if I would be, if I feel like that is a good, a, a good legendary beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have no idea what its capabilities are. Um, but yeah, these start kind of between, uh, order and chaos and they're initially on good terms with death, but, uh, that is going to turn basically any of the evil, evil ones that are on good terms with death, death will turn on you. Um, yeah. regardless of what you do. Yep. Uh, air, I did not fuck around with, uh, very much. Um, this is storm giants and fairies, uh, and largely flying units. Mm-hmm. Uh, flying is very powerful. Yeah, in the, in this uh, specifically for scouting, mm-hmm. um, but these are much more fragile. Yeah, uh, even you know as fragile as life, and in some cases more fragile depending on mm-hmm. the unit. Um, these are the opposite of Earth, and they get uh, ice drakes and a storm dragon for their right. legendary uh, units, which is pretty cool. Yeah, powerful flying units, mm-hmm. and they start near order and chaos. You can become really good bud- buds with these as uh, with these mm-hmm. guys as order. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like the, the fact that they have flying, you know, the most flying units, like that is an advantage for them, but that feels very specific to me. Um, and is much more limited, like with life, your units are fragile, but you have like really good range capabilities. There's nothing that I saw here that was especially good at, that good at attacking. So no, fl- flying is weird it, to me. It was only good for the like overland yeah. stuff, you know, uh, really good for that. But mm-hmm. in battle, not particularly useful. Um, these guys end up making really good allies, mm-hmm. but not like these are good bridesmaids. But yes. you wouldn't want to marry them. Nope. No. You want so. you want to put them in, a, in an ugly dress. Yeah, put them in an ugly dress and you know, hang out with them, dance with them. Yeah, but don't take them home. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know, I don't know anything about weddings. <laughs> don't take uh, them home. <laughs> uh, fire, my enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, these are fire giants and fire dwarves. Yeah. Uh, so these guys uh, are jerks. Um, <laughs> these guys are uh, like really like shock troopers, even, you know, not even stick and move, but just in terms of really high uh, offense and not very high defense. Right. Um, so really, really powerful offensive magic, but very little in the way of support or healing mm-hmm. or anything. Um, which means that they will, you know, even when you take them out because you're playing the long game, they will kill uh, people. Yes. Uh, this guy's one shotted some lords of mine. <laughs> yeah. Good. Didn't like it. No, so, no. You yeah. really have to be careful how you approach them. God, those yeah. the, like the, the fire giant mages, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really, really, uh, you know, the way fireballs work in this game where they hang out on the screen yep. is really fucking weird and counterintuitive and, uh, <laughs> ended up resulting in me doing a lot of reloads. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> So I tried to play as these guys, but they're often like they are so heavily offensively focused that, it, yeah, I had a lot of trouble with survivability. Like when whenever something dies, it's a pretty big deal because you lose the experience that they had. And also, like, you need to go and make the investment again to train them, you know? Yeah. So which it is, just... it's, it, and we'll, we'll talk about that. That is something that is slower paced than one might expect. Yes. 
Like that takes a long time. Yeah. Uh, fire is opposite of water, um, and they do get the fire drake as their legendary. That is their only flying unit. Um, yeah. So that is a that is a disadvantage for them, specifically in the end game. We'll talk about that. Um, but uh, you start near order uh, and make their life hell, and then also you're uh, near chaos, and you're uh, you're buds with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, water is real weird. Mm-hmm. Um, this felt like the challenge mode. Yeah, to me. Uh, these are like Amazons and lizard men, and they are, uh, the seafaring race. Uh, Mm -hmm. they have really, really strong water units. Yes. Um, they have the best scout, which is a seagull, which flies and is fast. Mm -hmm. Um, and they have really good support mages, but melee and range, like direct attacking is pretty weak. Yeah. Um, but the biggest kind of like oopsie doodle (laughs) these guys is that their legendary creatures are aquatic. Yeah. (laughs) Depending on where you're having a fight, uh, you know. I could probably fight, fight a Kraken on dry land. Like, just me, Gary Butterfield. <laughs> yeah. Like, if it's just struggling to breathe. It's just a waiting game at about. that point. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. I'm just going to, just going to hang out. Like, I'm going to go grab a coffee. Yeah. I'll be back when, you know, just to kick you for your last hit point. Right. Just, you know, <laughs> just slowly deflating and suffocating. You know? This <laughs> is turning into a blobfish. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't do any naval combat at all, Gary. I, mm-hmm. I just I had no reason to engage with it. No, me either. It felt very like underbaked yeah. as part of it. Like I understand, you know, and that's something that I think is actually true of most RTSs as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Tides of Chaos, like when you play Warcraft 2, <laughs> the ship maps were annoying. You know, like adding that extra, you know, traversal element mm-hmm. uh tends to be pretty obnoxious to me. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 naval combat in strategy games like this feels like when it, like it feels like whichever Sims expansion where they add basements. Yeah, <laughs> like in any of yeah. those games, like oh, we'll give you basements now. Like oh, this this sucks. Okay, cool. I guess I'm not gonna do this. I'm yeah. I'm way into Sims basements just because I want to be able to make a basement. Yes, because uh, I love I love living in a basement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, you've got those legendary beasts, uh, cannot go on land. Uh, you start near order in life and you're on good terms with them. Um, the, uh, the, uh, like a little bit of the, the gamble that you have here though, is that, um, you are the good faith who starts closest to death as the crow flies, uh, but a sea yeah. separates you. So like you could go in that direction with your aquatic guys, but they will roll you if you get there and death specifically with Balkoth has a, um, a big advantage because they have a lot of fly, like flying units to them. So yes. like if you piss them off, they can just cross over and there's nothing stopping them. Yeah. Yeah. And there's not like, you, you can see kind of how they attempt to balance it. Um, yeah, having yeah. being close to two allies, mm-hmm. like, I don't think you're meant to solo this at all. I feel like you're just meant to go make good friends with order and life yeah. like immediately. Like it's almost like a diplomatic race, but the game doesn't have stats for diplomacy. Right. It just kind of has values. So mm-hmm. this feels a little unbalanced. Like if this had a bonus when bartering yeah. or something, yeah. uh, that would actually, I think balance us out a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, order are my boys. Uh, these are people I played because they were the Mario. Um, <laughs> these are uh, humans. They are themed after Arthurian knights. Um, their Legends of Urak chapter is about the sword and stone and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, their strong unit is the cavalry, um, which is, you know, cavalry is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything else is pretty good. 
Yeah. You know, and that that's really what did it for me. Um, nothing sucks right. in this army. Specifically, they're durable. Like, an enemy getting out my crossbowman wasn't the end of the world. Like, yes. it was when I tried doing anything with, like, even with, like, life, right? Yeah. Which they're good like their range units are good but you're counting on taking an enemy out before they get to them like yes. the fact that this is balanced and you know balance brings durability is a huge thing in the favor of order well it also made um for me it made me make uh it made the the rts elements make kind of make a sense yeah in a way they didn't with the other units early mm -hmm. on because i could put my footmen between the enemy and my crossbowmen yeah and that worked nine times out of ten Mm -hmm. um you know when we describe the rts elements like there's it's not that much deeper than that like right. they're just flat maps mm -hmm. uh you know they where you start on opposite sides of them so it's not like there's tons of strategy involved mm -hmm. in those but this allowed me to engage in what there was yes um, um their scout is not really that great you just get a hound uh who you yeah. can send out you know no no yeah. real advantage there yeah he's cheap mm-hmm <laughs> Yeah. Um, they are opposite chaos, of course. Uh, legendary creatures they get are Spectral Knights and Lancelot of the Lake, mm -hmm. uh, which is very specific. Yep. <laughs> Hi, I'm a creature. Uh, My name is Lancelot. I, I, yeah, I'm, your, I'm, I'm a creature, Lancelot. I'm your best friend, and <laughs> then your enemy. You. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and they start in the center of the map, which is a pretty big disadvantage. Yeah. Um, so they're near air, water, earth, and fire. Fire will be very hostile, so they're going to be your enemies. Uh, you can make good friends with, uh, Air, Earth ended up not liking me very much either Yeah. by the end, uh, but I did end up being friends with air and water. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I tended to, like, I managed to keep things okay with Earth, mostly through trade. Um, yeah. Basically, any artifacts that I had that I couldn't use, really, I passed their way when I, when I encountered yeah. one of their parties, just, just to keep I, them from harrying me. I ended up using that to get stronger relations, and I don't know if that was necessarily, like, the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it's, I like that there is that use for artifacts that you can't use now. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, chaos looks like a really interesting faith to me, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so this is like barbarians and like Mordor monsters. So this is where you get like your ogres and your goblins and stuff like that. Um, well, it's, and they, it's okay. weird because goblins are neutral. Like you run into goblins everywhere. Mm -hmm. it's, this is where you get like... Oh, it's... It's like you'd think goblins would be more included in this. This is like orcs it's it's yeah. weird. it's a there's a weird taxonomy to it because mm -hmm. uh there are neutral units there are like creep units yeah um that have already taken over the map and marauders and stuff and a lot of times these were just like goblins mm -hmm. i go into a, and i was like oh shit chaos is about <laughs> but it wasn't chaos they were no. just unaligned unincorporated <laughs> goblins those yeah. unincorporated goblins down by the airport you know? <laughs> so. i just revealed the prejudice i assume that anything associated with chaos would be ugly uh, you know yeah. there's all the ugly races yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so um but yeah like these are very strong and fast melee units but they basically have no ranged capability uh they're, they're the worst ranged by yeah far. yeah and their mages are unreliable so like their spells will backfire there's like a little bit of a chaos magic uh kind of element to that yep uh obviously opposite order and they start near air and earth uh which is really clever map design because mm -hmm. they're unlikely to run into order but order is very likely to ally with air mm -hmm. um and then you have chaos right there at the gates yeah so that was a nice little again emergent <laughs> uh kind of thing that shaped the flow of my play yeah um, I really would not want to fight air as chaos specifically because of the lack of range. 
Um, yeah. I think that chaos is really meant to align with Earth very early. Uh, finally, death. Death are dark elves and necromancers. Uh, this is the big bad of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their opposite is life, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're very strong. Um, they start off, you know, you can spot check everyone's military strength, and they start off like halfway up the, the meter. Yeah. Uh, right from the beginning, like this, since they are the boss. Mm-hmm. They're already established um, very early on. Yeah. But their basic soldiers are all really hefty, you know, and they've got Balkoth running around who, I mean, it's the final boss of the game. <laughs> like, he is meant to mm-hmm. be as much of a bastard as possible. And, like, it feels like having him at your disposal makes it into, like, a little bit of a, almost like a gra- like a, an ultimate gravity gun uh, kind of moment mm. for this. Where it's like, okay, you've beat the game, now start a new game plus as death, and just go and roll everybody. Yeah. We're, we're playing more, you know, harder difficulty yes settings. yeah like uh you know i did like i said i did play this twice on easy mm-hmm. uh which was not easy no uh, no not me. at all uh you know but if you want to play death you can probably get it more balanced by upping the difficulty mm-hmm. yeah um what seems like it's going to be a hugely important choice initially is selecting your lord but you will very quickly gain access to the other classes right um but this is important because this is your avatar um so you choose your religion and your your character class um, and if you have no more lords left, you lose the game. Right. So uh, if your lord dies, or if and you don't have a backup lord, mm-hmm. you're done. Yeah, you get backup lords uh, by allying with other places, and they give you an heir, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, just tell you how you can extend your dynasty and all of that. Um, but yeah, you're picking a class, you know, and each class's kind of capabilities and, you know, starting attributes are going to be determined by your faith. So like some mages, like if you play as air, you get a, uh, you, you get a flying mage, which is a huge deal. Um, yeah. you know, things like that, but broadly three classes here, warrior, mage, and thief, uh, warrior is mostly only useful, you know, is mostly only useful in combat. Um, very strong melee and they have the ability to rally troops so you can do like a uh just a buff for anybody who's around mm-hmm. you uh which is good but they're not going to do an awful lot on the uh on the overland map um the other two have more on the overworld map that they can do yeah yeah mm-hmm. my first playthrough i did warrior my second playthrough i did a mage yeah uh mages uh can learn and cast spells in combat and on the map uh weak in uh actual melee mm-hmm. though um, the magic system in this game is slow and ponderous. Uh, yep. We'll talk about it. Um, so this is, you know, a, a faithful execution of the D and D like linear warriors, quadratic wizards. Right. Um, these will ultimately be incredibly powerful, but it takes a big investment. Right. Uh, to get these guys up to, up to snuff. And then something I didn't spend very much time with, even with the one I got for free, <laughs> uh, is the thief class. Yeah. Um, which these things are wild. Uh, they allow you to do a lot of weird shit. Um, <laughs> a lot of really important stuff yeah yeah uh, a lot of you know uh sneaking around and scouting um but also uh how you in- gather intelligence yeah like calling this a thief feels like a misnomer i i think that they called it a thief to stick with the D conventions uh like the, yeah. the 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 more accurate thing to, to call this would be like a spy or like a special yeah. agent or something like that well, they're also really strong range units. Yes. Like if you do uh, like a life thief, like you have this like amazing super long range archer mm-hmm. that you start with. Like they're they're rangers as well. Like ranger yeah. might be a good, you know, because that that includes some spying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, if I if I do this again, I, w- I would definitely roll as a thief. Yeah, it's neat. Like it's it's pretty interesting. 
so we're going to kind of talk about uh, you know these systems as we run into them, um, starting with the early game. Um, you get a little text scroll that tells you the premise of the video game, and you start outside of your faith's kingdom with this tiny adventuring party. Uh, they have little or no upkeep. Mm-hmm. Um, upkeep is a thing in this, uh, but you just have your lord, and this is uh, you have nothing. Yep. Um, this game starts prior to when most video games would start that have like a kingdom management. <laughs> the, like you have to earn your kingdom and then manage it. The the, the way that I the, the way that this felt, it's a little bit like like starting this game is like beginning your life as a baby turtle. Like they really do not want you to make it from the beach to the sea. Um yeah. <laughs> like yeah. uh you it is such an uphill climb that the early game feels like a completely different game compared to the late game. Yeah, save often. Mm-hmm. And really, uh, you know, so you have no buildings. Um, you cannot get new units easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, but you have to go find the town and uh, we'll talk about paying for them, uh, yeah. mercenaries versus followers. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an early goal to reclaim your faith's great temple. Um, what that's going to do is convert the city to your cause mm-hmm. and allow you to start uh, developing an economy. The tricky part of that is that is a tough dungeon yep uh so you don't want to just you might be able to beat that right Mm -hmm. off the bat but really you want to level up a little bit um and maybe hire some mercenaries yes and the way you do that is by clearing uh some buildings yeah so so you're commanding your party around um each individual party can have you know a lord or a champion at the lead um and then three standard units uh that uh are kind of packed in there um, the majority of the standard units that you can get actually come stacked. So like if you have one crossbowman in your party, that actually means you have three of them at your disposal. And if any of them die, like if there are any of them left, um, at the, at the end of a battle, healing will replenish that. So yeah, they'll butt off into new crossbowmen. <laughs> yep. Yeah. They'll, they'll go, they'll, they'll tag in their friends from high school. Yeah. They, 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 they will, they will quicken. Um, their eyes yep. will glow. And then a new one will crawl out of their mouth as their jaw unhinges. Yeah. Yeah. While they're sleeping, while they're resting in a, uh, an outpost. <laughs> yep. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, but you can, can, you know, you, you can basically like at the end of this, you, you know, you can have like three parties going around at once, like in a unit that you can take, you can take into battle. Uh, battles can get pretty crowded. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of two modes that the game operates on. You know, we're starting off uh, in this world map um, where there's a very aggressive fog of war uh, and things are turn-based. Mm-hmm. Um, so your parties move. You have a certain movement range for a turn, which is a turn by your stats and the terrain. You can cast spells to augment this. Um, the fog of war is really intense. Um, it's called the shroud in this. And you cannot see very far. No. Um you know, it's also affected by topography, so you cannot see past hills or mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea here is to encourage the scouting uh, game. Scouting is actually really important. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I eventually just, like, started uh, making uh, either scout units and then, like, later on uh, anything that would have stealth capabilities and, like, posting posting them up on hills. Um, yeah. Do it, do it, like, detect thief and stuff like that. Uh, that that ended up being kind of a pretty good use of use of my t- use of my resources there. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but man, it makes it makes finding your uh, your capital uh, at the start just a little bit hairy because you know the you can only see a couple of spaces around you unless you know for damn sure which direction you, you need to go. You might be wasting turns. 
Um, yeah. And there's a real like that FOMO is the wrong word for it. But like, I don't know if you don't capture your great temple until day 10 and everybody else captures their their great temple on day four. Uh, that's a problem for you. It's really it's interesting, right? Because yeah. it's not FOMO. It's that thing that strategy games do. And I don't know mm-hmm. what the word is for it, but we talked about it a lot in the show, which is yeah. not knowing you're screwed when you're screwed. Yes. You know, and to me, you know, my first playthrough, like I did not get the Great Temple mm-hmm. until pretty late. And that wasn't ultimately what sunk me. But there is an element of like emergent kind of semi- randomness to this yeah so in other playthroughs that i attempted it did sink me mm-hmm. you know the other uh unit just got a, a heads up on me so there's an rng element to it yeah. uh to not knowing you're screwed so you, basically i'm saying you don't know from many angles right you don't know because you you might not be and you don't know because you don't know what you're missing yes either yeah just a just a constant low level fear that like I feel pretty good because, you know, if I was playing Civ, I feel good because I'm rolling around with cavalry and cannons and my first contact with an enemy comes with them in like, you know, jets and bombers and stuff like that. Like, ah, damn it. We're a different epochs. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's well, that's always something that kind of puts me off the genre as well, because I really like that slow build development. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like anytime I have to Zerg rush Mm -hmm. in a strategy game, I'm pretty bummed out. Yeah. You know, and, and for this game's credit, uh, you are rewarded for care, Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, keeping your first group of units alive, um, they will be absolute powerhouses Mm -hmm. in terms of experience and also will be imparting that, you know, my Lord was imparting so much experience onto my new troops that it ended up, you know, being very careful in the beginning paid off. Yeah. It was just a very slow payoff. Yeah. You're you're waiting for dividends. You're not you're not getting like a big like you know 10x return. You know. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting one penny doubled every day. Right. Instead of a thousand dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you've got those scouts. Um. Scouts are pretty good, especially early on. You know, we're going to talk about followers. Uh. But scouts do not require followers, and that is the one resource that you do not have any of at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, and also they're relatively cheap in terms of some of the other ones, um, and, you know, in, in terms of some of the other resources, but you, you want to, you know, you can get that pretty quick there after mm-hmm. you have made all your possible moves, which will happen pretty quick in the early game. Uh, you click on a little gem in the lower right to end the turn, um, or, yeah, which is also the day, uh, and then everybody else will get to take their turn, uh, before it comes yes. back around to you. Yep. And you get to, during this time is when you can kind of plan. Yeah. Um, you only have access to a handful of research or resources here, and you cannot get more without fighting. Um, you can go into the town and mm-hmm. go into these unit producing buildings and you can hire mercenaries. Yeah. Um, there are two different types of units you get in this game. Uh, mercenaries, which have a low upfront cost and they don't require a follower, but they have a high per day maintenance cost. Mm-hmm. Um, these are actually very useful for short-term engagements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cost a little bit. I need to beef up my army to take back my great temple. I need to beef up my army to make this incursion. Yeah. Um, then I'm going to fire these idiots. Um, <laughs> the... for, for me, this was a way to get, uh, to, 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 to get forces to shore up holes in my, in my, uh, parties, um, that I did not care if they died. In fact, if they yeah. died, that was actually pretty Yahtzee. good for me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, fuck a mercenary. Yeah. Like Blackwater can go to hell. Like, <laughs> 
this, uh, no, I didn't these, care about it for <laughs> I didn't care about it for morality reasons. I was just like, okay, like yeah, I didn't have to. I well, didn't have, have to, to go. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's probably why a lot of people who hire mercenaries don't mind if they die. Yeah. True. Um, the uh, so that is the only thing you can hire at this point mm-hmm. um, until you get followers. The other way you get resources is by clearing buildings and kind of caves and stuff around you. Mm-hmm. Um, once you click on it, you get uh, some information, the average level of the encounter, um, and then kind of a description of what's going on. That's mostly flavor. Yes. Um, you can usually <laughs> retreat. So if you don't want to do this, um, you can enter uh, and then you get into combat, which we'll talk about. And then you can auto calc. Uh, which makes the combat happen automatically. Yeah. Um, I love the auto calc. Yeah, it's very useful. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, and you basically do that until you've leveled up enough uh, or got enough money to buy some mercenaries. So you can clear your great temple. Right. Yeah. Uh, but now, as we are going in, clearing out those little structures is a good time to talk about combat. Kind of the highest level of zoom that we get um, where this becomes a different genre of game. Um, yes. Because uh, this is real time with pause. Yep, RTS with real-time with pause. Mm-hmm. Um, you control groups of units uh, by dragging you know, rectangles around them, similar to a Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can click on them and do individual commands. Um, this is where you want to have uh, your melee and range units yeah. uh, and kind of straighten them out. You know, melee re- <clears throat> units charge, range units hang back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within these, uh, this kind of level of zoom, there's even more individual options. For your characters um you have uh attack option which is basic mm-hmm. but then you have defend and berserk uh defend uh sacrifices attack for additional mm-hmm. defense uh and berserk does the opposite right so you can kind of go all in and uh this is useful yeah. um send it you know if you're sending in a group send them in defending there's mm-hmm. no reason not to they're yeah. not attacking yet um, and this will save the lives of your units. Like this level of micromanagement is kind of a pain in the dick, mm-hmm. but it is really uh, efficacious. Yeah. So like you want to close the distance while defending. Uh, you can actually like click defend and then click on the unit itself to do like a parry, which um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, like a turtling a little bit. Um, and then when you get into the position uh, as you make the engagement, that's when you open up um, and uh, start taking them out. Um, dealing mm-hmm. dealing with the enemies, uh, the thing that like really like killed me more than anything was the game's pathing decisions, where I would order attacks and everything would just kind of end up in this big scrum in the middle of the map. So yeah. like you really need to like pull the reins on these guys in order to keep them in any kind of formation that will protect your more vulnerable units. Yeah, it's it's a big pain. Yeah. Like uh this it 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 doesn't work super good. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> uh your range units will uh you can be just tell them to fire um which they'll miss a goodly amount of time mm-hmm. or they can do aimed shots which lowers their fire rate but increases their accuracy. Right. Uh and then mages can cast spells. Uh there's a wide variety of spells. Each faith has its own set of spells. Mm-hmm. Uh we cannot speak to all the spells. There's like 180 of we, them or something like that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so many spells. Yeah. Uh, and they have a mana pool. Right. Yeah. Uh, lords and champions, um, kind of interchangeable, uh, at least for the purposes here. Uh, they have their own special abilities. These are often um, support related. You know, we talked a little mm-hmm. bit about that. Like if you have a, if you have a warrior, uh, you know, you can do the rally, uh, which, uh, which will, which will give a small little boost. 
Um, but yeah, you know, you're going to want to, at the very least, like protect those people while still also using their special abilities to get whatever edge they can give you. Yeah. And there's a little bit of risk reward when you play as a warrior. Like it is the most straightforward, mm -hmm. but they are going to be in the thick of it. Yes. Uh, and again, you, you die. Yeah. Uh, if they die. Mm -hmm. um, these are hard. Um, not, <laughs> not always. Like sometimes, you know, you go into a level one dungeon and it's two goblins and like, who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, there are some wolf riders in here. This isn't, this isn't nothing. Or yeah. anytime there's an enemy caster, uh, that's, that's an emergency. Um, the battles move really quickly. Uh, here and because they're so chaotic it feels like you can go from winning to losing basically in no time yeah um there's also uh levels of depth to these um some dungeons have one level and some of them have multiple levels so to clear them you actually have to do two maps in a row without healing in between mm -hmm. right. um if you auto calc those you can actually heal in between <laughs> yeah so yeah we we gotta talk about that auto calc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there are a couple of uh, tactics that you can make use of here. Like these are outlined in the uh, in the in the manual. Uh, it has to do with um, basically uh, your position how, and how many enemies are attacking. So like ganging up is a really huge deal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if 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 an enemy is being attacked um, by a lot of people around them, they cannot attack in turn. Um, so you can basically like stun lock them. Uh, and this goes in addition to like flanking or uh, rear attacking, which will uh, get around their their defenses. Uh, and you're doing all of that while also keeping an eye on the lay of the land. Like there are, you know, there is high ground in this and you never want to fire into high ground. Yeah. Uh, even though it is pretty rare inside buildings. Yes. Um, there'll be like a little, sometimes there are things that are deceptive. Like there is a fountain that has a 3D effect to it, but it is not high ground. Right. It's just you just walk over it like it's a fountain painted on the ground, <laughs> like an art installation or yeah. a very, very weird gambit from uh, Roadrunner. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no, it's not an actual fountain. We just Trump leeled it onto the ground. Yeah. <laughs> uh, super strange. Yeah. Um, so combat is tough, as we mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, and the further you get uh, from your home capital, uh, the harder it is, uh, is and there are more encounters. Yeah. Um, however, uh, early on there is auto calc. Mm -hmm. Um, this lets the game simulate the battle for you. Uh, so you just get right to the results. It gives you your spoils and your death tolls. Um, the AI will do a worse job than you will. Yes. In this fight. So you do this when it is a stop. Mm -hmm. You do this when you have level twos and threes and you're going into a level one mm -hmm. dungeon. And this is a time-saving measure this is never the correct choice tactically mm -hmm. this is often the correct choice for sanity yeah <laughs> for like you know? I, I really like i've got a goal that i'm working on right here and it like kind of requires me to have a place that I, for me to garrison these units for them to heal so like i'm going to instead of taking the 10 minutes that would that it would take to clear this i'm going to hit this button and we're just going to see how it comes out yep and you save before you go into battles anyway this is a 90s PC game, your save <laughs> yep. discipline should be, you know, absolutely part of the on game. point. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of the game. Save, you know, before you do this. Uh, but it's really nice. And this ended up unlocking a big part of the flow of the game to me, mm -hmm. uh, was realizing I didn't have to actually do all these kind of shitty RTS battles every single time. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause they're not great. Mm -hmm. Um, you get spoils. Uh, these include resources. This is going to be your main source of resources for the early game, mm -hmm. um, as well as artifacts, which are magic items. 
Um, there's a wide variety of these that can be equipped onto lords and champions, mm-hmm. and they provide passive bonuses, or they can be like Ring of the Ram. Mm-hmm. Like, they can be magic items. Yeah. Um, I got a ring that had like random effects, <laughs> uh, including status effects and shit. And I'm like, yeah. Jesus Christ, man, like <laughs> this is complicated. Um, these can be faith specific. Yeah. So you want to hold on to these for trading goods in case you can't use them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it took me a shockingly long amount of time to figure out how to actually equip and use these. Yep. Yeah. It does not really tell you. Nope. Um, you can also get potions and scrolls this way. Potions uh, are very important for kind of like maintaining longer military campaigns, like pushing into enemy territory. Uh, because, you know, you, you you want to be able to recover from battles without needing to take, you know, four or five days resting, yeah. possibly with enemy units around you, you know. Healing is a is a huge commitment. Yes. Uh, uh, because yes. after a battle, if you've taken any kind of damage, you have to rest. <laughs> yep. And that means uh, not we, like not moving. You can't heal on the march. Yep. Um, you heal more if you stay inside mm-hmm. than if you're outside. So it actually works out really well. You know, after you take a fortress, you rest mm-hmm. there for a night. And but that does play with that like feeling like you're wasting turns. Yeah. Eventually you will have enough units where there's always something to do. You can have you know, one of your armies resting while another one goes and continues the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, but early on, it's a lot of downtime. Yeah. And, it, you know, like um, later on, it's like a leapfrog kind of thing, almost. Yeah. If you want to bypass this, you can heal uh, in the town um, using crystals, which are one of your resources. We'll talk about resources uh, in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is expensive. Um, it still ends up being worth it, but this ended up being more of a desperation move Yeah, for me. Yeah, uh, those crystals should be used for other stuff. <laughs> you yes, know. summoning. Uh, you know, I want to summon gargoyles and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um, you know, so I didn't really do naval combat. That also kind of factors in here. Um, I apologize for not being able to speak to that. Yeah, same. Yeah. So it's unnecessary. It feels very vestigial. Yes. Um, but once you clear the uh, the the great temple, uh, you get to the mid game where you can actually like start building your economy. Um, and building your economy is where I'm a Viking, Gary. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's fun. It's fun, <laughs> and it's uh, it's actually pretty clever. There's like some clever systems mm-hmm. going on in this. Um, your capital becomes a stronghold, so it becomes uh, its own kind of building that you can then level up. Um, but inside the town, once you click on that, you get to another level of zoom mm-hmm. uh, where you see all of the buildings in your town. Um, these allow you to do a couple of things with them. Um, they allow you to make exchanges for your common resources, which are gold, beer, crystals, and fame mm-hmm. uh, here. Uh, those are the common ones. But you also gain the ability to uh, get followers, which you allocate and also spend. Yes. Um, so- <laughs> and I love the fame system in this. I think fame is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so every week you get new followers. Uh, so there's like a payday mm-hmm. and depending on your fame, you get bonus followers, right? Uh, fame is a resource you can trade for, mm-hmm. uh, in town. It's also a resource. Certain buildings you capture will generate. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do well in battle, you get more fame. Yes. So you can up your fame. Like if I had a, a excess of some resource and mm-hmm. day seven was coming around, I would go get some fame. Yeah. And you can do, you know, you can do a trade chain to actually like launder resources that you have uh, access of, that you have surplus of to get to, you know, to get the fame. 
So like, yes. you know, it, it basically having any resource in the bank doesn't necessarily work to your benefit because any of those resources that you can bank, you're not going to be bottlenecked on that. Most likely. Yeah. And fame is fame is huge because it gives you followers. Followers are going to produce everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a growth resource. Like it, yes. it is throttles the degree, you know, the speed at which you get faster mm-hmm. and better. Yes. Um, by using those followers you get, you assign them to buildings. So they make passive resource income. You have an upkeep mm-hmm. every turn. So your army has a certain minus. Your income is a certain plus uh, that you have. But then you also create combat units. So if you want to, uh, you know, if I'm going to make a knight, mm-hmm. I can hire a mercenary, low up, co- up front cost, but really huge upkeep. Mm-hmm. Or I can train one of my followers, which is more expensive, but way lower upkeep Right. Uh, in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're going to want uh, units in the long run because if any of those units, um, you know, sticks around and gets high level, uh, then they can uh, they can become stewards, which we're going to talk about here mm-hmm. in just uh, in, in just a little bit. Uh, you uh, you know you 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 train uh, these at the special buildings around. Like you don't have to build your barracks or your you know, thieves guild or mage tower; they just come with your capital. Um, yep. you which can is get more of them right. by capturing certain buildings, but you don't have to. Right. Um, but you go in and decide what you want to allocate. Uh, like we, like we said, followers are your main bottleneck. Um, like really the way to speed it up is to go get fame. Um, and fame is most easily gotten by conquest, right? Conquest and capturing popular statues. Yes. <laughs> so. I just, wow. That's a good, wait, wait, Dave owns that statue. Shit. I need yeah, to think, shit, I need to reevaluate cool. him. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm really uh, getting into Dave lately. Uh, oh yeah. man. So let's talk about the stewardship system because I was surprised at how effective this was. It's, it's, it's the whole thing like plays into this growth versus expansion kind of mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, with it. So this is something where it's like you, you park a guy, uh, a high level champion at a training facility. um, And then he imparts that experience. So any units you make there start at a higher level, Mm -hmm. which is obviously like really huge. But those high-level units are also valuable and yeah. can't be the vanguard of your army. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. It's a really interesting trade-off system and really important because you do not want to be getting level one units right. uh, late in the game. Like, they're basically useless. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I like that this game does is I really like it in games where levels really matter. Yes. Uh, and levels really matter in this game. Yeah. Like the difference between a level one footman and a level two footman mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah. You know, like you just, you very quickly run out of like these little structures and caves you can go into that are level one encounters, you know, as you spiral yeah. out, those just get bigger, you know, the, the, or the, the, you know, the numbers on those get higher. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you, you know, it, it benefits you to do this. Basically I just had like a front line and a back line um for uh for, for for champions or what have you so like when whenever a champion would come back uh you know for, like from a battle i would have like a backup that would go out um in their place and then like the champion that just came back i would i would garrison them you know to to, to help do the training and it should be noted that like the benefit accumulates as they're sitting there. So like, it will show you like, here's the maximum experience that can be imparted. You need to like have them stay there for several days to actually get that maximum benefit on any, any unit you train out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's slow going, but it is a cool system. Mm -hmm. You also have this long-term upgrade system 
uh, where you upgrade your stronghold, you upgrade your individual facilities, um, and this carries with it many benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, greater resources, uh, higher level units, etc. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, uh, no building can be a higher level than your stronghold. Um, and kind of <laughs> ghoulishly, uh, uh, like any of these upgrades, especially the higher level ones have a follower cost. So it's built into this system that people are going to die constructing things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll do it for Merlin. Um, the, uh, and you're, all these buildings are insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be captured by either other Lords or Marauders. Yeah. Um, if your stronghold gets taken, uh, you lose all these abilities until you can get it back, mm-hmm. uh, which usually can, but it just is, you know, you have to maintain supply lines and maintain uh, a home front as well. Yeah. You can't just send your whole murder ball up against the enemy <laughs> and expect to win like you uh, can in a Warcraft. I like that murder ball. That's a, that's a good term. I didn't, I, that's the, uh, what they, they call, uh, in Starcraft or mm-hmm. Warcraft, the strategy of just sending all of your. Oh, yeah. units. I'd never heard it called that before, but I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> it's it's accurate. Mm-hmm. It's it's very fun. Like I love that in Warcraft. Like oh, yeah. here's you know eight water elementals get <laughs> fucked. Um, <laughs> like I can show I you which way hell don't is. Hold up, but I'm <laughs> right. so sad that they don't. Right. <laughs> like the Warcraft one and two. Uh huh. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> yeah. So it's Warcraft three for me. Yeah. Um, magic is its own system because everything is its own system. Hmm. In this, uh, each faith will start out with a limited number of spells, but to get more spells, you allocate mages to research new ones in the library. Right. Uh, you select uh, one of four categories that you want to research. Um, and mages are like a pretty big deal. Like when you play as order, like mages are champions, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, the different, uh, categories. So you have like attack and defense and these both are like direct damage and effects, but also buffs and debuffs. Uh, you get a mm-hmm. lot of mileage out of these. Yep. Uh, overland, which these, uh, increase movement, uh, resource production, change the landscape. These are things you use on the, uh, the world map. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, really you start off with one that increases your vision mm-hmm. radius, which, you know, at first seems like nothing, but it's actually very useful. Yeah. Um, and then general knowledge. Uh, so these are things that, uh, you know, just the regular healing spells will show up, but this also allows you to do like intelligence, Yeah. Uh, you know, to get information about opposing faiths and uh, the resources that they have available. Mm-hmm. Um, this takes time, you know, and also it is calculated in person hours. Um, and like, as you upgrade your mage, your mage tower, the mage library is going to be upgraded as well. You get more seats uh, that you can, yes. uh, that, that you can fill. Um, six so. slaves died to bring us that chair. <laughs> um, the, uh, so you get more seats. Also your person hours are determined by your level. So yes. if something says it takes 40 days, uh, mm-hmm. and you put a fifth level mage on there, it's going to take eight days. Yeah. Uh, if you put two fifth level mages on there, it's going to take mm-hmm. four. Yeah. But, uh, like you said earlier, this is quadratic versus linear. Um, so, you know, each of these that you, that you, you know, investigate, uh, that you discover is going to increase the utility of your mages, um, you know, giving them more to do, uh, and conferring, uh, other advantages on existing units. So, yes. Uh, mages get more, all these units we talked about level up Mm -hmm. from combat and mages get more MP, I think tied to their wisdom stat, uh, which is, uh, most of their physical stats actually do not grow. 
right. um, when they level up, but their wisdom stat goes up. Yes. Um, mages can also make you uh, potions for magic crystals. This is a better investment, I think, than uh, healing at the temple. Direct healing. Yes. It just comes along a little bit later. Yeah. Um, so you, after you kind of got your base set up, uh, you want to start expanding. Um, as you head out, you're going to find these uh, neutral structures called villages. Yeah. Um, these uh, kind of are owned by the faiths that border them. Mm -hmm. But when you take them, uh, you claim them as your own and you can turn them into a training facility. Yes. Um, Importantly, because these are on borderlands... Um, you can turn it into a training facility of either faith that borders it, which means that this mm -hmm. is a way for you as one faith. Um, it's a way for you to train up units and acquire them from another faith without actually going in and capturing or allying with them. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is useful. Mm -hmm. So like um, this was a way to get flying units as order because you could just go up, take the village between you and air. Um, and start training those. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, the one way to do it, the other way you can do it is through diplomacy, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. um, you can trade units as well, which is dark. Yes. Um, <laughs> the, uh, from the uh, the starting uh, position in order, um, you can get to this village, as we mentioned, where you can make fire units and stuff. Uh, you're surrounded by these. You can also make guard towers. Yes. Um, this allows you to spot enemies through the shroud. I believe this is each uh, faith has a special building. I believe that guard towers are the order's special building. Yeah. I, so I don't think that they are functionally different. I think that they just look, they look different. Well, all the buildings look different. Yes. Um, but I, 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 maybe I didn't get far enough in, in my other mm. playthroughs. Yeah. But I felt like I did not have the ability to make guard towers when I was playing. As far as I could tell and, by oh, looking, okay. all of these kind of had the same function. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. If I if I'm incorrect and there is like a, a you know a subtle difference between a guard tower and a mushroom tower, um, let me know. But um, yeah, you know, it's 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 a way to you know set up this structure on the borderland that is just a, a permanent a permanent source of information on coming and going. Mm -hmm. um, there are creeps uh, in the wilderness, as they're known in RTS games. Uh, mm -hmm. These are known as marauding parties. Uh, they're unaligned. And you'll also find them in uh, mysterious places, mm -hmm. um, which are little tiny combat dungeons. Undiscovered worlds. Yes, <laughs> undiscovered worlds, Tillman's Crest. Yep. Um, the, uh, <laughs> so these are uh, sometimes just little combat dungeons that you do to have a place to garrison and get the resources. Mm -hmm. But also you can capture things like breweries and gold mines um, in order to uh, give you additional re income every mm -hmm. turn. Yeah. It's like yeah. getting a free follower that is allocated to making that. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's good. Like you want to prioritize those. Um, and also like they change hands quite a bit. I would take one and then I would move on. And then another, you know, an enemy faith would come in and get it from the side. So, you know, it's just, it's up to you how much you want to defend it, but it's worth taking that into consideration. Um, these mysterious places end up being multi-level too. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so there are like large estates if you're playing order. Uh, so you need to clear more than one of those screens, 
Um, additionally, um, the indoor battles get really complicated in strongholds and capitals because there are like walls and bottlenecking and stuff like that. Yeah. And like um, places you can uh, climb up, mm -hmm. you know, they're like archer perches. Yeah. And such. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, let's talk diplomacy. Yeah. Because not everything, uh, you don't have to fight for everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You can, uh, you can be buddies mm -hmm. with people. Um, so you can always look at this intelligence report, which kind of, uh, you know, this changes as you encounter enemies and get more intelligence uh, and gives you a rough idea of military strength and how much they like you. Mm -hmm. Um, at this point, you're going to start off at the bottom of the, uh, the hill in terms of military strength. Right. Um, even less so than like water and life, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and when you encounter different faiths, uh, you can parlay, they will have a, uh, kind of an opening, flavor text that describes what they think of you, mm -hmm. you know, Hey, you know, we're just exploring. We're looking for more information. We hope you come in peace. Yeah. Um, we hate your fucking guts, but give us something <laughs> and maybe we'll leave. You, you killed uh, our Lord. You killed our champion, our heir. Uh, yeah. one of the, like, the, like there's some things you can do that you cannot come back from, but even if yes. they are like, you know, hiding it under a low level hostility, um, <laughs> they will still deal with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this determines uh, what options you have. Uh, this is a, a slippery slope mm -hmm. thing. The more someone does not like you, the fewer options you have yes. to, uh, to work with them. Mm -hmm. So early on, um, you, can, uh, you can trade, you can give gifts, you can request gifts, uh, things like that. And mm -hmm. eventually all you can do is like fight and give, Yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you can either just plea for mercy or just get into a fight. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I love how many shades there are to this. Mm -hmm. Like if it was just trade or fight, like that would be functional. But the fact that there is a that there is a difference between um, like plea and request and like trade yeah. and demand that kind of like leverage these just kind of like softer stats that you've been building up. Um, you know, and leverage the existing relationship and have like different effects. So like, if you, if you demand like that will increase your, in, increase your fame because you're going around throwing your, your cloud around. If you, if you plea, everybody knows you're going around begging. Yep. And it doesn't, it doesn't look good. Yeah. So that reduces um, your begging, fame. Yeah. yeah. And that is also the way that you trade fame mm -hmm. for resources, uh, yeah. in the capital, which I really like is just by begging. <laughs> yep. And it's like, I, you know, Steve doesn't seem so good. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I also really like how this tells you exactly what will happen. Yes. Um, so you, you say, okay, I would like to gift. I'm going to give you this artifact that I can't use and two dogs. Mm -hmm. And you get a little thing that says, if this is accepted, this will greatly improve your relations and mm -hmm. bump your level to this. Yes. It's not wishy-washy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it really kind of cuts down on the saves coming. That would be part of this. Yeah. Um, also, if it's like, I really want to get to empathetic mm -hmm. with this group, maybe I need to sweeten the pot a little bit because it's yeah. not going to quite get me there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like this becomes a very good way to manage and also to like maintain relationships, you know, say if you move in on airs territory a little bit, um, but without realizing that's what you're doing, uh, and you realize, oh, I've pissed them off and they're not like, they're, they're going to start attacking me. No, I can just go and give them artifacts and then get them back on my side. Uh, you can, you can yeah. cover up some whoopsies <laughs> by, uh, <laughs> by throwing some sugar their way. Yeah. 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 Uh, you can always fight, of course. Mm -hmm. Always. Um, so having a good relationship 
means that you can go into their territory uh, unhindered mm-hmm. and you can clear their great temple yeah. for them without resistance. Um, and if that happens, they pay tribute to you and mm-hmm. they are now yours. Yeah. Um, they give you a champion and uh, as an heir mm-hmm. and they're allies now. Yeah. Get those guys. Mm-hmm. Or if you're not on good terms with them, uh, straight up conquest. You go in, you can take their great temple, you can take their capital um, and put them under your boot that way. And then you get their resources and such. So there is mm-hmm. like a level uh, of like a feeling of like kind of widening gyre to this of yeah. things, you know, you have to keep a lot of plates spinning mm-hmm. eventually, uh, which can be kind of stressful. But there's a big satisfaction, I think, in like slowly taking over this map. Yeah. Building momentum is such a huge thing, um, especially mm-hmm. like there, there's a definite tipping point like between, you know, either allying with or conquering one other other place and then two so like you get way mm-hmm. more powerful um on the other side of that though one thing that like ended up being a little bit of a bummer is that like as your influence gets get, gets bigger turns take longer they take forever yeah like yeah like it, it ends up being like the pacing of this game is so weird because it starts off very slow paced because you're waiting you have nothing to do so often yeah. you have nothing to do the middle it hits this really good groove mm-hmm and then you're doing, then turns take forever, mm-hmm. you know, and it just like, just, I'm not getting new followers and being able to make these new kind of grand resource related decisions as often as I would like. Yeah. So, yep. So something, to, something to keep in mind that like that momentum is going to build, but then it is going to go away, especially as you get far more capable and you start putting some of the more aggressive, aggressive faiths on their back heel a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the ways that you can deal with this is, uh, through intrigue. Uh, this is a way for you to, uh, um, get, you know, get, get a little bit more of a leverage and understand, uh, the, 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 the Intel picture a little bit better. And this is all done through thieves and this is not tutorialized at all within the game. And it is yep. only like vaguely described in the, in the manual. Um, the interface makes it look like you're doing like attacks and stuff, but it's different than that. Yes. Um, so thieves, you can go into stealth on the world map, which allows you to, uh, to be invisible mm-hmm. and, but thieves can detect thieves. So you can, uh, stand still and detect other thieves and set them up as sentries. Um, and these don't have to be champions. You can make a champion thief, mm-hmm. but you can also just hire them. Yeah. Um, if you stealth into an opposing party's position, uh, where they're at on the map, you get three special options. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can spy, which gives you their unit window. Mm-hmm. And updates your intelligent reports, intelligence report so you can learn about them. Yeah. You can steal um, and you get to choose how risky you want this to be, mm-hmm. how many resources you want to take. Uh, you, as far as I could tell, you have a greater chance of failure the greedier you are. Yeah. Um, and then subdue, which allows you to like cut off the head. Like, this is you fucking do a death wild, on the man. End. This is so crazy. Like it's really neat though. Yeah. You assassinate, like you go in, you do a death blow on the leader and attempt to take them prisoner. Yeah. And then once you have the prisoner, you get this other set of options um, to interrogate them um, or torture them. Both mm-hmm. of these affect your reputation. Yeah. Uh, not just with that unit, but with other units. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, uh, if you execute them, um, other faiths are not going to like you. No, uh, you're a because you did a war crime. Yeah. Yeah. 
you don't get to do war crimes in this. It's not like the real world. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, you know, if you, if you, uh, free them, other faiths might be like, yeah, you know what? They're magnanimous with their, uh, they, they respect the Geneva conventions. <laughs> yep. I like them more. Uh, that's fantasy. I'd be like fantasy Geneva. So like Genevovius, <laughs> the accords yeah, Genovius. of Genevovius. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The wizard Geno- Geneva. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah this is wild like like how much this opens up something that you know is true about the uh, about the intelligence report that i really really like is that like just as you walk by uh enemies you get like a vague sense and as you look you can kind of see there are like two different bars on most of the meters um and one of the bars is like okay this is you know what we know they have and the other one is like here's what they possibly could have there's uncertainty there's like an information gap there um yeah. you know and that can get honed in as you go and do this other stuff and like lets you know you know like is this a risk worth worth, worth taking going in after this particular place right now or this particular guy yeah yep yep uh really neat um it's one of those things where it's like having this introduced kind of in the mid game when you're going to start doing it mm-hmm. did end up feeling to me like kind of like another plate to spin a little bit. Yeah. In a way that was not purely additive, but I respect it. Mm-hmm. I can so. see it being so, you know, like for, for me, it ended up being a little bit of a novelty. Um, I can definitely see it being um, uh, useful in higher level, higher, higher difficulty levels. Um, where you really do not want to like waste resources just because you're getting so much fewer of them. Yeah, absolutely. So much fewer. That's weird. Yeah. So once you've done a lot of this, you've taken over some of your neighbors, gotten some allies and gotten rid of fire. Um, (laughs) it's time to start making inroads on fighting death. So, uh, you can go in here, uh, any of your expansion is going to put you at odds with them. Like death is just a little bit everywhere. Um, not just in their own little area, you know, Balkoth, you know, he's a flying Lord. Like he can just pop up if he, and you know, if you encounter him early on, like you can retreat, uh, it's, it's a little bit like, uh, what was it? Doom gaze or whatever in final fantasy six. Like I'm going to yeah. come back to you later on, buddy. It's fine. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, and you're also going to find death mages around. Uh, these are, uh, uh, like necromancers. You want to take these out because this is where the undead armies are coming from. Yeah. And, uh, they're, they're, they're emergencies. Mm-hmm. They're no good. Yeah. Um, just in terms of, you know, adding a tiny amount of narrative to this, like emergent storytelling, I kept having this specific champion of death mm-hmm. who was sniffing around, yep. uh, but was not really doing anything. And every time I talked to him, he would pick a fight and then run away. <laughs> uh, and that became my mission to, uh, get a strong enough and fast enough army with enough spells to kill him before he could run away. Oh, that's good. Uh, Cause he was really fucking obnoxious, mm-hmm. but it was real like Jackalope style. Like he just kept showing up and being like, my Lord hates you. You are, <laughs> you know, anthema to me. And then immediately like 23 skidoo and then try to, try to get away. And I could not catch him because I Maybe. didn't have, you know, I didn't have like long enough range. Uh-huh. Uh, so I eventually made parties that were mage heavy uh-huh. that had long range spells specifically to hunt for this lizard riding fuck <laughs> uh, and, and take him out. He rode on a little dinosaur and he was a piece of shit. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, oh God, wow. video games make good sentences, man. Yeah, man. Video <laughs> games make good, uh, lots of stuff. It's yeah. Great. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, ne- I never really had too like it, too, too many story interactions like that with uh, with, uh, with, with with death. It was it was mostly with fire and like I I started expanding a little bit into in, in, into the chaos area, but by the point that I got there, that just I I had, I had kind of just like outstripped them, and so there really wasn't like an awful lot of like being harried by them like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that you do want to work up to, uh, is getting your legendary creature. Yeah. Um, and this only, Uh, this only happens after you've like basically upgraded everything that there is to upgrade. Yes. Um, you upgrade your follow your capital and your mage towers fully. Mm -hmm. Um, you can only have one of these at a time, um, per game. They're very, very powerful. Yeah. And these are different for each faith. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in, in a way that is, uh, is neat, you know, Mm -hmm. adds that flavor. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of like summoning a god or something like that. Yeah, uh, like to, an avatar. Yeah. Um, and this is a good reason to have conquest early on, because mm-hmm. the more kind of great temples you have under your control, the greater variety of these guys you can grab. Yes. Um, but, you know, when you said, oh, you can only have one of these, only one of them can be summoned, like only one instance of them can be summoned. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, if you were going up against, uh, you know, fire and you kill their, you know, flame drake, their red dragon or whatever, uh, that's never coming back. Uh, you, yep. you know, cannot summon another one because, like, that is the one of those that exists in this world. Yep. Yeah. Uh, rip. Rip to the flame <laughs> drake, but I'm different. If- <laughs> um, the uh, the win condition for this is defeating Balkoth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you can do this a couple different ways. Um, I did something very similar to you. Um, I didn't want to hunt him. Roaming around. Yeah. 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 He's roaming around like, you know, being a shithead and you can lure him back by attacking his base, um, which feels really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, a cool tactical thing, like marching my armies when I was ready. And there was this real sense of risk to it because if he had chosen that time, like I basically threw a death ball at him. Mm-hmm. If he had chosen that time to come attack, he would have fucked me up. Yes. Uh, if he had chosen that time to send his armies to me, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. So I had a skirmish outside of his village. Uh, that was pretty tough, but mm-hmm. I was victorious and could lure him back by taking, uh, his great temple. Yeah. Uh, specifically making an inroad into, into death is pretty, uh, into the death region is really risky because I feel like the marsh, which is death's special terrain, like, you know, there's more of that around their area than there is special terrain around many of the other um, uh, kingdoms as it is. Yeah. So, like, your approach is pretty slow, and I felt very paranoid that Balkoth would come in behind me as I was making my mm. approach um, mm-hmm. and basically give me no way to get out uh, with, you know, yeah. what basically was all of my lords pretty much as I as I, as I got there. Um, taking, taking his capital was nowhere near as hard as taking on Balkoth himself. I actually, like, I had to, like, to take two runs at it. Like, the first yeah. one softened him up and the second one, you know, dropped the hammer. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, he's, he's tough. Like, he's flying. He throws these scythes at a really long range. Um, and because I played as order, I never really had, like, I didn't really have, like, like, air, like, flying units basically whatever i could get by you know working with air was what i had at this point and you know flying units were immune to that scythe attack yeah yeah uh it's neat mm-hmm. it's it's neat and it's difficult a fitting challenge for this like i like uh you know similar to say your breath of the wild or whatever mm-hmm. where the end boss is just there yeah and you just get to choose when you're ready mm-hmm. 
I really respect that. Yeah. Um, I think that's cool. And once you've beaten him, you can become him. Mm-hmm. You can become Death slash Balkoth and uh, try to take over you all of your wrath. Yeah. I, I do like that, how the um, how the goal changes, the end game changes. For everybody else, it's kill you. For Balkoth, for Death, it it's is kill, kill everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why you get that power bump. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, I can imagine that being very satisfying uh, as you continue uh, kind of moving through that. It gets easier and easier, actually. Mm-hmm. And that being really uh, fun. Yes. You know, like a slow motion gravity gun for the, uh, the entire game. <laughs> There is also the expansion, uh, The Legends of Yurak. Um, so this uh, gives you a little CGI movie with a tome opening and flipping through its pages while one of the least professional voice actors in the game, uh, <laughs> this guy sounds real dorky to me, Yeah. Um, explains that uh, you're going to step back in time to go through important historical myths and events. And these are little special scenarios with special rules. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I poked at all of these, but did very little with them. Yeah. Um, I, I only finished one. I finished the fire, the, the fire one, because that mm-hmm. was the shortest of them. Basically. Yeah. Like I went and looked at videos and I saw how many turns all of them took. And like, there are some of these, like the, the, the secret one, Siegfried, um, the, the hidden order one, like the person that I saw, like doing a let's play of it, you know, they were at like basically a year of playing it. They were on day like 365. Yeah. yeah. Which that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so the, the first one I, the one I got the furthest in was the, this first one yeah. with, uh, Merlin, uh, Merlin came, you know, comes to the kingdom of Logris to unite them. Um, and he helped Arthur rise to the throne but to do that you had to clear the way uh of the pretender prince of vortigern mm-hmm. so yeah uh so you play as merlin baby you play as merlin he's uh he's kind of your uh your, your your main dude here your avatar at the start um and you know first you have to put arthur on the throne but then you're going to be going around to like these different estates throughout the kingdom um the rules for amassing fame are different because you are not the ruler of this that's the case for most of these uh, you cannot uh, upgrade your stronghold until a certain point in the story. Like Arthur has to marry Guinevere. Um, mm-hmm. And then like there is, you know, like th- actually being able to finish this, you have to amass an army of paladins who raise uh, their wisdom high enough for you to pass these grail tests to get the grail that you need to take on Mordred. Yep. Yeah. Or you mean Vortigern? No, you you take you take out Vortigern oh, you, very right. early on. Mordred yeah, yeah, is I the about that. Yeah, Mord- yeah. shows up later. <laughs> yeah. At first, it seemed like it was uh, they just like our guy is called. Our Mordred is called. <laughs> yeah, Vortigern. But yeah, you're right. Um, mm-hmm. So, and the way you defeat Vortigern uh, is by empowering a white dragon to defeat his red dragon. So big Arthurian dragons mm-hmm. smashing against each other. Arthur can then draw the sword from the stone, uh, which he uses as an artifact. I really like that the uh, the stone. Um, is actually available right away. It's just there. Like, I, I clicked on it as Merlin and he's like, I can't do it. I'm like, shit, that would have been easy. Yeah. Uh, Merlin, Merlin seems pretty, pretty worthy. Yeah. Yeah. But this ends up being a pretty long campaign because like after you get Arthur on the throne, you like, you start this expansion going to these different estates. Like you're doing like a uh, little quests and clearing out these castles to expand the kingdom. And eventually, like, you have to go and get the Holy Grail and the spear before making an advance into the death region. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's big and involved. 
Uh, and then you, uh, the second one, the fire one is uh, Crispin. Mm-hmm. Um, a tale of the fire people battling against an icy foe. Mm. Uh, this famed fire giant mage Crispin uh, was of limited means and used her resources to shrewdly gain followers. Yeah. Um, and kind of the crisis here. So you're in the fire kingdom. The lava has stopped flowing, um, which mm-hmm. is important for them. I don't know if it's their food or what. Um, and the, uh, the great temple has frozen over. So you need to like go and basically it says gather Lords, but what you're doing is like doing a little solo adventure. Like you cannot really recruit anyone. You just have to take out towns and eventually you'll get followers by doing that. Um, and mm-hmm. you're marching north until you fight this frost dragon. That is the, that is the source of all this. Uh, this is, this is kind of like playing a low level, like Baldur's Gate campaign or something like that. It's an all, it's an awful lot of like clearing out caves on your way. Yeah. Yeah. There's elements of this in, uh, Warcraft, yeah. like in Warcraft two or in Starcraft where they have the little dungeon mm-hmm. or the Warcraft three, uh, RPG campaign prequel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of thing that this, you know, kind of reminds me of mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Um, Bio, <laughs> Bio Baggins, uh, the halflings lived a, a simple life, no kingdom or military, but one day Bio was called forth to rid a nearby hall of a monster named Grundle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Grundle so you, myth. So you, so you think it's going to be Lord of the Rings. No, no, this is Beowulf. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like you start out in this Hobbit village, uh, there's no, you know, military buildings. Eventually, like, as this goes on, you end up, um, using order villages to hire your mercenaries. Uh, but like you're playing as this halfling Beowulf, um, and you have to, you know, first do a battle against one Grendel, uh, in this hall that is, you know, right nearby. But after that's cleared, no, the story doesn't end. You have to take the fight into the swamp where you fight multiples of them. They're like yeah, five Grendels. On infinite Grendels. <laughs> yeah. um, and it ends with you venturing east into the lands of men to deal with the greedy king Hermod. Mm-hmm. Um, and this does turns into kind of a choose your own adventure. Yeah. Uh, as you meet with these individual towns, you actually get little interfaces where you choose how you treat with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. So it's like the Beowulf expanded universe. Yes. Yeah, the PCU. <laughs> uh Zephnar is the final one that presents you. There's a hidden one. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the uh, the evil one. This is the Dark Elf Tale, a necromancer who sought to unleash the power of the Lich and enslave the Light Elves. All that sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is opens with this legend about how the people of Golgoth know that life is a temporary imprisoning of the soul. Mm-hmm. They're like the dust men. So what have you. <laughs> yes. Um, the, so the, this kind of has the like the fewest restrictions of these. Like you are not a lord. Uh, but you can hire mercenaries and raise the dead. Like that's the, pr- the primary way that you're going to mount an army. Um, and your undead, you know, cannot be healed by resting. You have to heal by uh, exchanging uh, crystals at the temple. Um, with all of that in mind, this looks like a lot of fun to me uh, because it's really straightforward. And the gimmick is you're rolling deep with skeletons. Um, and you're rolling yeah. deep with these death mages and stuff. Uh, so you have these gigantic battles. Um, and it's like literally, it's like just you, you, the life faction, and maybe like one or two others that are meant to be crushed as you go. Um, and you can tell they had a, they had a lot of fun with the writing in this because everything is just deliciously evil. Like everything yeah. is from the perspective of this very arrogant necromancer who, you know, talks about the joys of death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is my favorite kind of necromancer. Yeah. 
Um, there's a hidden one. I, this is really ballsy to me to put a hidden <laughs> campaign that's really that's, big. That's so uh, big. Expansion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is if you click the empty space in the middle mm-hmm. of the Stonehenge, uh, you get Siegfried's campaign. Yeah. Uh, and this is uh, an extremely long campaign, and it is a retelling of – I always, I, I, I always uh, uh, mispronounce this. It's, it's the ring cycle. It's Nibelungenlied. Nibelungenlied. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Siegfried and Brunhilde and all of that. Yep. So you start off out in the wilderness. You have no army and no kingdom, but you live without fear. Um, a voice calls to you, a small creature aligned with Earth needs help, so you travel to meet them. Um, so your special rules are you begin far away from your kingdom, and your appearance will change during the module. Uh, if your mentor dies before you finish your education, the quest ends. Right. Um, so you train with mm-hmm. this little gnome. Yeah, you train with your gnome, you recover the shards of your legendary sword, uh, and when you take it, you know, back to your kingdom, you know, you, you like, this is when the second part of this starts, you need to be strong enough to reforge it. Um, and you have to go around and do a bunch of battles to get, you know, to, to get to the level where it needs to happen. And this starts the second motion here, the second movement where you have to go and take out the fire aligned dwarves of, uh, the Nibelung, uh, mm-hmm. and eventually defeat Woden and align with Brunhilde. Uh, who kind of like joins you as um, like basically a paladin almost. Um, and then everything ends with you marshalling your forces and taking out um, Attila the Hun. So like it is just straight up a retelling of the ring cycle, uh, which is f- fucking crazy to me. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's a pretty wild thing to include in Lords of Magic Legends of Urak <laughs> special edition yeah. uh, to me. <laughs> There's a video game adaptations of the ring cycle. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's Lords of Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is, uh, I feel like this episode kind of gives you the pieces. Yeah. Like this is what the, these were, these are what the disparate pieces of playing the game look like. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really express what the, the feeling of playing the game which is this again this widening gyre of awareness mm-hmm. and concerns as you do capture that feeling of starting with this very small party and ultimately becoming this incredibly powerful super lord. Yes. Uh, that is really appealing. Mm-hmm. Um it's just it, there's a big cost to it. Like yes. it, it takes a big chunk of time, a big investment. Um in terms of like amount of time I spent on this compared to how much time it takes to complete a run or the episode length, mm-hmm. this is a uh, a very unfavorable ratio. <laughs> yeah. uh, I spent a lot of time on this uh, in order to not get very much episode or very many games under my belt, really. Yes. I, I, I feel ridiculous that we are at the end here, and this episode is shorter than the Plants vs. Zombies episode. That's, yeah. That's, that's this fucking is, wild to me. <laughs> this is 20 times as complicated. Yeah. As Plants vs. Zombies. Yeah. And like, uh, like, like putting these notes together took a chunk out of me. And that, that, that sounds a little bit like I'm being like, oh, poor me or whatever. I just I want people to understand that like this is a game that really does live in the systems and the, the interactions with them and in the playing. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it's a good feeling bringing order to that chaos. You talked about that on um, – you talked about that on, on Twitter. I, I saw you. Mention that and like that that is the thing that is appealing to me about your 4x games about your uh you know civilizations and your stellaris and what have you 
um, yes. you know, is, is the sense that you are bringing things, you are aligning disparate elements into things that will help you accomplish your goal in the game. Yeah. It, it is fun and satisfying to conquer a map. Yes. Like uh, strip all 2020 colonialist mm -hmm. uh, things from that. Please don't take that out of context and just like make it your ringtone and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> send it to rock paper shotgun to get me canceled right. but it is fun like it is satisfying and that's something that i like in tactics games as well mm -hmm. you know we talked about uh during our last live show we talked about uh fallout tactics yeah and that is a micro version of that like i start at one end of the map with a small group of people and i clear it mm -hmm. and that is really satisfying methodical work yeah this is that on a much longer span of time and a deeper kind of richer version of that uh, which I have to be in this incredible narrow bandwidth of mood for. <laughs> and like, so like th this feels unique to me in terms of a bunch of other stuff, because like, in, in terms of games that are like, you know, similar to this or like play with similar ideas, like if you're playing age of mythology, you're kind of always going to be Greece or Egypt. And this though, mm -hmm. like any campaign is going to have you needing to be conversant in the advantages and disadvantages of a given of any given faith in their units. Right. Mm -hmm. So like you're, you know, you're eventually going to be rolling around with an army that is made up of half of the peoples of the world. Right. Yeah. And you know, there's a, there's a tremendous satisfaction even in the mild amount of let's call it mastery, but that's a little bit too generous to me. Um, but you know, just the feeling of understanding that you get when you like, when you understand that like as order getting in good with air is a huge advantage for you. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's a game that is meant to have like multiple run-ups, um, and something that like, I don't know that I'm necessarily pr proud of this, but I don't want anybody to feel like ashamed if they do this too. This is also from an era of games that had cheats in them basically like little mm -hmm. command, command codes or whatever, like for my, you know, after my first couple of very unsuccessful runs where I was like, Oh, I I'm not actually getting a chance to do enough of this to learn because the resources are so like, so stingy. Like I gave myself like a little early boon so I could get to experience these systems outside of the, um, outside of the tutorials. Um, I gave yeah. myself the additional, you know, move, uh, like movement capacity so I could just understand what the surrounding map was a little bit more before I went and did like a legit uh, playthrough with no cheats uh, because, yeah. you know, it is so hostile early on that it is not going to give you a chance to meet it on its terms. Yes. Yeah. And don't feel ashamed of that. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I just recently wrapped up my, my playthrough of Bloodline as well. And there mm -hmm. are certain games that like, I don't want anyone to play them without console commands really <laughs> right right you know and this is one of them as well like mm -hmm. giving your scout a thousand movement points gives you a big advantage but it also it does it on like an elemental level where the game just ends up feeling friendlier yeah like there was a, a, a almost like there's a version of this that exists that is a little bit easier mm -hmm. that has a less harsh fog of war that you can compensate and kind of make it closer to what you want by doing that yeah uh and i you know I respect it. I think mm -hmm. I, I like it when games give me that option. Um, cool game. Interesting yeah. game. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I had no yeah. idea it existed before David requested it. I had always known about it, but mm -hmm. never actually dove in. No. So, I, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, David. Yeah. Um, it has me curious about other games that are, you know, similar to this, you know, or have have a little bit of that same kind of grand, grand kind of scope to them. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you have things to say about Lords of Magic special edition 
uh, hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also do that if you have things to say about Plants vs. Zombies or our premium episode this month, God of War 2018. Yes. Um, yeah, like you said, uh, September the 15th, um, October the 15th is the deadline for our October games. That is our spooky game month. Uh, it is the most wonderful time of the year outside of Neralathafest. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, those games are going to be Dino Crisis 2, uh, Soma, Resident Evil 5, and then our premium episode for that month, which is Doom 3. Yes. Yeah. Um, premium episodes are episodes you get if you are a patron. We mm-hmm. release the generalities for everyone, but at $5, you get the full episode. You also get all of the old episodes mm-hmm. um, and bonus shows and a bunch of bonus content uh, at the 5 and $10 kind of breakpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, it is okay if you patronize us and then have to go. We understand we're mm-hmm. living through a global pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so it is, you know, it's not great, mm-hmm. uh, but we really appreciate people who are able to support us yes. during this time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the, that's a patreon.com slash TV if you would like to. Um, this is, I believe the first episode we are recording after we announced, uh, that we're going to be rolling up a new show here, um, here in the fall. Uh, so everybody mm-hmm. get excited, uh, look out for orb. Uh, that's not what orb. it's called. It's not watch out for fireballs and look out for orb. Orb is the name of our venture brothers podcast that we're going to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we are finalizing music and art. Mm-hmm. for this um we are doing research and such i just got my big hardcover copy of the uh the guidebook that is such a good book it's such a beautiful it's, product yeah it's a beautiful product mm-hmm. uh, i wish i had more time to read it right now as opposed to uh, uh moving and getting ready to move yeah um you know which is always an emergency mm-hmm. but uh we're getting uh that stuff i'm really looking forward to starting that because i want to start my uh my revisit mm-hmm. um if you want to talk about that show with us, you can do so in the Slack. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a Slack channel set up for it, uh, which is also through the Patreon. Yeah. Um, rings reviews are also uh, really appreciated. Once we start Orb, uh, we want you to come out and force with those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that helps us out when a new show is happening. And uh, more than anything, stay safe and don't get sick. Please, for the love of God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I think so. I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think we're it. done. Yeah. Uh, so... Until next time, watch out for fire. The the, the faith, you know, they're they're, they're going to wreck you. I know what you. Okay, cool. That's, yeah.